Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of SACPA, the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. My name is Curtis Goodman. I will be your moderator today for a wonderful session featuring our grasslands and protecting our grasslands. Uh, before we get started, if you have a cell phone, please take that out now and put it on mute for the benefit of everybody in the room. Thank you. Uh, today's presentation is going to be recorded uh, by the fine folks at Shaw TV. Uh, you will be able to catch that on the Shaw Spotlight uh, throughout the, the next couple of weeks. You can also find today's broadcast in audio form on the SACPA website uh, shortly after today's session. If you are going to be enjoying lunch with us today, there is a basket for cash in the center of your table. It's $14 for lunch. If you're just going to have coffee, $2 is great, and be sure to tip your servers. Uh, <laughs> uh, so today, uh, as always with SACPA, we are going to be doing a, uh, a session with uh, Lita Pezderic. She's going to be uh, doing a, a talk for about 30 minutes. After that, we're going to have lunch. And at 1 o'clock, we will reconvene for a question and answer session. So make sure you're thinking of some questions that you would like answers for. Uh, without further ado, may I introduce the one, the only, Lita Pezderic, who is a natural area manager uh, with the Nature Conservancy of Canada. She specifically focuses on the prairie grasslands of Alberta, working with local landowners, partner organizations, conservation volunteers, funders, and other stewards of the land. Lita, thank you so much. Curtis is very tall, and I am not. Uh, okay, can you all hear me in the back? Yes, thumbs up. Okay, if you can't, just do this every once in a while, okay? And uh, I am going to, yeah, use this. Okay, so yes, thank you so much for having me here. It's been a while. I know, um, I think it was two years ago, my aunt and uncle, Larry and Penny Elford, they're on the organizing committee of SACPA, and they said, you know, we were together and we were talking about, they asked me about my job, how it's going, and they're like, man, you know, this would be such an interesting uh, topic to, to bring to SACPA, so you should really come. And I'm like, yeah, 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 okay. And that never happened, but now I'm here. And, um, and it's funny, talking about my job and what I do is a little tricky. I know my mother-in-law has said in the past, geez, I wish you were a teacher or a nurse, because when folks ask me, what does your daughter-in-law do? I go, well, um, it's to do with environment, and it's really important. <laughs> so I have 30 minutes. Yeah, she's gotten a lot better. We've been together for oh, almost 20 years now. So um, uh, I have 30 minutes. Hopefully, you guys will have a better understanding about what I, I do. So. Uh, like all nonprofits, the uh, Nature Conservancy of Canada has a vision and a mission. We envision a world in which Canadians conserve nature in all its diversity and safeguard the lands and water that sustain life. And our mission is we lead and inspire others to join us in creating a legacy for future generations by conserving important natural areas and biological diversity across all regions of Canada. And I really identify with that mission. Uh, this picture behind me is one I took. It's my three boys in a special place in Waterton. And that's my future generation and our future generation. So I really want to inspire them to, uh, to do better and, and hopefully you know, enjoy a, a bright future. 
So who, who is the Nature Conservancy of Canada? Well, we are a private, non-profit land trust organization dedicated to preserving ecologically significant areas across Canada. And we primarily do this through either purchasing our own properties, having donations come in, or putting conservation easements on properties. And uh, we were established in 1962. This map here shows all the projects across Canada that, have, um, that we've secured over the last 54 years. Now, you can see they, they primarily are located in the southern portion of the country, and that's because this is where the most of the population is and therefore the most threat on our natural ecosystems. Um, we have protected over 2.8 million acres of land over the years, and we have over 180,000 supporters. We, we do this great conservation work by the amazing fundraising efforts that NCC um, endeavors in. So we have been a part of two of the largest fundraising campaigns for conservation globally. From 2007 to 2012, we raised over $500 million for conservation. And the current campaign that we're in right now, we are, our goal is $625 million by 2020, and we are very close to achieving that. So uh, if you do donate to the Nature Conservancy, you, you should feel good. Your money is going to something really special, and we, we get work done on the ground. So that was Canada. I'm going to zoom in to Alberta, because that's what I know the best. And... Um, we, this is a, we talk about settled areas, and that's where human population is, and that's, like I said, it's got the most threat. So this is the settled area um, of Alberta, Edmonton in the north there, going right down to the border. And you can see the, the map on the left, I think it's your left, yeah. Um, it's all green, and that means that's biologically intact. So not a lot of human disturbance. This is taken in the early 1900s. And if you jump over to the map on the right, we're looking at 2002, uh, there's not a lot of green left, is there? And uh, it's alarming how, how much has been humanly altered, whether it's oil and gas or farming, agriculture, that sort, you know, urban development. Uh, we're losing a lot of our natural spaces. And uh, I'm gonna focus a little bit more in, in now on the grasslands of Alberta. So we, we have what's called the Northern Great Plains. That it, We're at the northern end of the Northern Great Plains. It extends into the United States. But it covers, in Canada, the three prairie provinces, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. And um, the, the map on the left shows it's from 1850. And you can see, again, that green space is intact natural grasslands, so un, unaffected by human interaction. And if you move to the one on the right, there's not a lot of that green space left. The red indicates human-altered landscape. And um, I know when folks hear the most endangered ecosystem on the planet, they often think of the rainforests or uh, the coral reefs. But in fact, we're sitting in it. We're, we're, our grasslands are disappearing at an alarming rate. And that's why the Nature Conservancy feels so strongly in, in the work that we do. So, in Alberta, like when we first started, we, we wanted to protect everything, so we worked all over the province. And then over time, we decided we needed to make a more focused effort. And so we delineated 
the most ecologically significant areas, and we call them our natural areas, and that's where we focus our efforts. Each of those natural areas, you can see they're bordered um, in the different colors, each of those has what's called a natural area conservation plan that we develop, and it helps guide our actions, like this is how we're going to achieve our conservation goals. Um, they also come with a natural area manager. That's me. So I'm, I manage uh, the prairie grasslands in the bottom in that yellow area. And um, primarily I work, uh, I manage all the properties that the Nature Conservancy owns. And I also work with the private landowners that we have conservation easements on. So how does NCC do all this conservation? Well, we have many tools in our toolbox. And uh, for today's presentation, I'm really just going to focus on the top two, Fee Simple and Conservation Easement, but we also use subsurface rights, purchases, and transfers. We have a stewardship endowment fund that supports our, our important work on the ground. We, we rely heavily on community involvement and partnerships, and we educate the next generation and, and folks like you to, to help us with our mission. And um, we also depend on our government and corporate, corporate partnerships. So I'm going to jump right in and talk about fee simple ownership. So fee simple is just another word for owning your own land. And NCC acquires land either by purchasing it with our own fundraising dollars, or we have it donated to us in the form of like maybe it's an estate or somebody leaves it in their will. Uh, who knows how we how we get it? Um, but when we do acquire it, we are the landowner and that we have the same responsibility that any landowner has. So we pay our taxes, we manage our weeds, we fix the fences, that sort of thing. And um, our, our owned properties account for approximately 30% of our land base that we, we manage. And right off the bat, when we um, secure a property, we want to know as much as we can about that property. So we'll go out and we'll get a baseline inventory done. We want to record what species are present and uh, what is the range health and the riparian health. So are our streams looking healthy? Is the grass healthy? We, we determine if the property is suitable for grazing. And if it is, then we'll work with the local uh, community and, and put together a grazing lease. We also decide if the, if the property is, uh, should be open to the public, and then you can, there's a nifty new uh, online access system, connecttonature.ca, you can go online and book your time on there. If you're a hunter, you can actually block off uh, chunks of time and go hunting on that property and know that you're not gonna encounter anybody else. Uh, but you can book it for bird watching and hiking, whatever. Um, and we understand, we recognize that purchasing land is expensive and it's a lot of work. So uh, we depend primarily on our leaseholders and our volunteers to help us, uh, I guess, just manage, manage our properties effectively. This is probably one of my favorite pictures in the middle here. It's um, my, one of my leaseholders on a, on a property on the Milk River Ridge. His name's Roger Thompson, and this is the first day I met Roger, and he took us uh, for a tour of one of the properties. And we're going along and riding, and all of a sudden, he stops, he gets up, and he reaches out, and he whips out of his holster some herbicide, and he sprays that weed. And he was, he was spraying an invasive plant called Houndstongue. And 
I fell in love. I was like, okay, Roger, you and I are going to get along just great. Because we, we rely on people like this who are on the ground constantly looking out for, for these sorts of threats like weeds. Um, and then also, so when we put a management plan on the property, we want to make sure that uh, we are being effective. So we try to plan uh, for five years in the future, and, and in doing so, we have to monitor to make sure are, we, are the goals that we're putting out there, are we achieving them? So how is the health of the range? As you know, is, Were our grazing, our stocking numbers appropriate? If not, let's make some alter, alterations. Um, are, is our weed management plan being effective? Um, okay, so the next tool here that we have is going to get chiatal, is what's called a conservation easement. This is probably the tool that we use the most, uh, and what it, it's a little bit more com um, complicated, but it's it's pretty. I'll I'll try to break it down for you. Uh, a conservation easement is where we work with private landowners to enter into a voluntary agreement. So we purchase rights to ensure that the land is not developed further. And so what that means is in this agreement we set out a series of restrictions on the property. So typical ones will be no more subdivision of your, so you can't just break up your ranch into multi-parcels. Uh, no more development, no big houses, um, roads, that sort of activity. Uh, if it's a grassland property, we would say no more cultivation. If it's a forest property, we would probably say no more timber harvest. And so it's, it's just a, a series of, of restrictions on that landscape. Now, why it's so effective is that it stays in perpetuity with the property. So it travels with the title. If a landowner were to sell his property, he can do that, but the new landowner coming in has to then abide by that agreement. And so you can't sell your easement, you can't dispose of it, it's there forever. And why would you do that, you ask? Well, because it, it, yeah, I know what you're thinking, it changes the value of the property, and for sure it does, but uh, in most situations the landowner is compensated, so NCC will pay the landowner for for putting the easement, for the value of that easement, a portion of it, and then there has to be a donated component from the landowner. So he'll donate a portion and he receives a tax receipt that he can then use uh, for his taxable earnings, uh, like farming or recreational properties, that sort of thing. Um, okay, so after we put an easement on a property, we then have to do our monitoring as well. So we want to make sure that that landowner is living up to his end of the deal because it's a legal document, Canada Revenue Agency gets involved and you know how they are. So <clears throat> what we do, we, we, we do aerial monitoring, we go out, we fly the properties, we take a picture of the quarter section <clears throat> and then we can compare it over the years and see if there's been any change. Oftentimes there isn't because the landowner entered into this agreement voluntarily. Uh, it's also, we love to meet with our easement holders. Um, great excuse to have a cup of coffee and, and catch up over a long winter. And then we find that easements, uh, it, it accesses, it allows the landowner to access uh, some opportunities, either just with having a connection to, to staff and our knowledge about range health and, and species, that sort of um, areas of expertise, 
but also we have a phenomenal volunteer program so we can if if they're having troubles with a weed issue on their property we can get our volunteers out and help them out we can also hook them up with uh, different granting options and um, just we, we form a real tight relationship with these landowners and help them uh, best steward their lands and I did mention that education is one of the tools for conservation that we rely on as well. NCC is very proud of the conservation internship program that we offer. Uh, in the summer, natural area managers are paired up with a student and uh, they're like our sidekicks and they get real world experience and they develop their skill sets and I think most importantly, they, they get to meet people and, and network. I mean, in this business, it's really all about who you know. And, and to establish your career. And then, like I mentioned before, we have a phenomenal volunteer program. We have dedicated volunteers that come out from across the province. I'm always blown away by their passion and commitment. I've had folks drive all the way from Edmonton to pull weeds in, in the prairies. So it's, um, it's amazing and it's a really good way to, to get out and see some properties. If you're interested in how to become a volunteer, you can ask me afterwards and we'll hook you up. And then we depend on our partnerships. So a lot of the pro projects that we do, we couldn't do on our own. For example, like we had Fortis Alberta come out and install a hawk pole for the endangered ferruginous hawks. We've also partnered with the Calgary Zoo. They're hatching um, endangered sage grouse and we're releasing them on our properties. So it takes a village, I guess you could say, to, to achieve all that we want to. Um, so I guess that's, that's NCC in a nutshell, who we are, um, what we do and why it's important. And I thought I would jump in mm, a little bit more and focus on the grasslands in particular, because that is where I work and, and what I manage. And um, you re can recall from those maps I showed earlier that our grasslands are disappearing at an alarming rate. And it, it's kind of tricky to, to convince people why that matters. I mean, you talk about, oh, I work in environments, so people are like, oh, well, you're a tree hugger. Well, yeah, and <laughs> they identify with a tree, they understand the value of forests, but it's a little bit different with grasslands. I'm a, I'm a grass hugger too, so, but why are they important? Well, there's so many different reasons uh, and values to the native prairie. We, um, they provide a lot of wildlife habitat, so it's not surprising that more than 75% of Alberta's species at risk are found in, in the grasslands. Uh, the, the grasslands provide forage for both wildlife and livestock. They protect our soil from water and wind erosion. Um, they act like a giant sponge and they'll, they'll store water and then slowly filter it through, through the soil. And uh, if you have a healthy rangeland, you will have no bare spots so the weeds can't encroach and that's pretty important. They're great nutrient recyclers. They offer stability because of all the biodiversity in the, in the community. And, um, more hot topic recently is carbon storage, and they are phenomenal for sequestering carbon, and, and then even more so maybe than our typical forests. But um, anyways, I could go on all day about the value of grasslands and why it's important, but I have always found that telling people is one thing, showing them 
is a whole nother experience. And probably my favorite thing to do in my job is take people out and really immerse them in the sights and the sounds and the smell of an area and get them excited about it. So I, I wanted to take you all out, but I guess I can't. So I was thinking, what's the next best thing? Well, I want to take you on a virtual tour of the grasslands. So um, I'm a photographer. Well, I pretend to be a photographer. And I don't go very many places without my camera on my hip. So I'm just going to uh, start on the southwest. I may run out of time uh, going through my photos. I don't know how much time we have. Ten minutes. Okay. And whatever I don't get to, they said I can just do a slideshow during the question answer period. So don't worry. We'll see them all. Uh, so, yeah, when we talk about Alberta's prairies, most of us think about uh, the golden wheat fields, right? But I think about this, and this is the Milk River Ridge, and this is what our a native prairie ecosystem looks like. So I'm going to start our tour where the prairie meets the mountains. This is Waterton Lakes National Park. And uh, I took some of these photos during our aerial monitoring session the springtime after the Kenow fire at Waterton. You can see the dark area is the extent of where the fire burned, and it's, um, it's quite impressive. That was uh, a major, major fire event. Anyways, going back. So here's a field, a typical field in the southwest. It's not very boring, is it? A lot of colors. And uh, almost like a bouquet everywhere you go. I'll just go through and maybe name some of the species for you. So sticky purple geranium. We've got shooting star. I know Cheryl Bradley's in the audience, so she's going to be like pretty critical. She's our botanist for, I don't know, this is making me nervous. Uh, we've got the Willet. Um, it's funny, if you hear his name, he goes, Pill Willet, Pill Willet, Pill Willet, in the, in the field. So that's how you remember it. Family of uh, buffle, buffle heads. We got our black cap chickadee. Mighty Chief Mountain. Mountain Bluebird. And then this is the grasslands, fescue grasslands. And you can start to see some change in the colors and the shapes of the grasslands. It's a sharp-tailed grouse. As you move from west to east, wouldn't be a prairie walk without a prairie crocus. Got uh, common red poles. Little close-up. This is a group of migrating trumpeter swans and tundra swans, so kind of neat to see them together. Here's our cute little porcupines. If you go down into the coolies in the winter when the leaves are gone, then you'll get a really good opportunity to see them. Bluebirds. Prairie storms. They're so dramatic. Uh, this is a tree swallow. I don't know by butterflies, so it's just a pretty butterfly. <laughs> And mountain bluebirds. So I have a bluebird trail along my property. I live north of Coldale along the Old Man River. And uh, it's provided a really amazing opportunity to watch, watch them go through their process. And I get to involve my children. So sometimes we'll get a bander to come out, and he puts a little band on their legs. And then you can track them through their migration. You can see the female there has a band on her leg. Another prairie storm. Cedar waxwing. Yellow-bellied sapsucker. This is my front yard. 
What a view, hey? <laughs> and this is a bull thistle. He was also in my front yard. Or bull, not bull thistle, bull, bull snake. But there is a bull thistle out there, too. I have a lot of bluebird pictures. I, uh, wild blue flax. Uh, this is a wandering garter snake. Great Plains toad. It's a, it's a species at risk as well. And Eastern kingbird. Prickly pear cactus. This is a gray catbird. So sometimes in the coulee you'll hear, meow, 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 and you'll think you're followed by a kitten. No, it's that bird. You'll never see them either. Cormorants, another chubby bluebird. Meadowlark, that iconic sound in the prairies that springtime has arrived. Our wild rose. Scarlet mallow, I think was one of grandma's favorites. I don't know, dad says so, so. Has a special place in my heart. Uh, goat's beard in seed form. It's a weed, but it looks pretty. Uh, this is that fat toad again, the Great Plains toad. If you're a toad in my yard, you got to find a good hiding spot because my children are just obsessed and they will, which is good. They should be inquisitive, but uh, <laughs> this is the Plains spadefoot toad. It's also an endangered species. Or, well, species at risk. I shouldn't say that. There's many different layers of of species and, and their titles, whether how endangered they are or at threat they are is, but it changes all the time, so um, I'll just say species at risk. There's a wild bergamot or horse mint, prickly pear. This is a American goldfinch on a wavy leafed thistle. So this is a good thistle. Uh, compared to a bad thistle that's, say, Canada thistle, and that's the kind we want to take care of. It's an invasive species. So this wasn't good. We got our blue grandma grass. Bumblebee on goldenrod. Pelican, everybody loves those. Swainson's hawk. This is a tiger salamander. You don't see very many of those around, but I used to catch them as kids and take them on this, you know, take them to school in a shoebox. Not anymore. Uh, this is dotted blazing star. And this fella, this big moose, he was in my backyard uh, just last fall, touring around. Of course, we've got our snowy owls. cows. I love cows. <laughs> they're they're our, one of our biggest tools we use for managing our, our working landscapes. So Then we're moving into the Milk River Ridge. Bald eagle. Our northern pintails. This is American avocet. My kid on, a, on the sandstone. This is a butte primrose, and actually they change color. They turn a little pink as they age, which is quite neat. Got alkali cord grass. More horses. This is rough fescue. This is the queen of the prairies. So she's a really important grass species. Her roots extend way down into the soil. 
and um, they function as a really important forage for wildlife and livestock because they keep their nutrients well into the winter. This crazy color thing, I believe, is called a Natel's blister beetle. If you touch it, it kind of can give a blister if it's, I don't know, it probably secretes something bad. Uh, we've got a fuzzy yellow-bellied marmot and yellow umbrella plant, and then the North Fork of the Milk River is flowing in the background there. Another bald eagle. Blue-eyed grass is one of my favorites. It looks like a grass, but it's actually a forb, and uh, it's so tiny, delicate. Stonecrop, it's another tiny little plant. This is our endangered ferruginous hawk. It's endangered in the province of Alberta, and um, like, we own a property out on the Milk River Ridge that is, actually has a really healthy population. And uh, they nest on the, the cliffs of the sandstone. And it offers us a neat vantage point because we can actually peek over the, the cliff and see how the nest is doing. Um, you can see the height of that. It's probably as tall as I am, and, or m taller. And the species at risk biologists thinks it could be anywhere from 80 years old because they just keep building on top of it. And I don't know how it survives the weather and, and our storms, that it, but it does. He's staring at you. This is on top of the Milk River Ridge, looking over some of our properties. Again, an unknown butterfly. <laughs> Brown-eyed Susan with the silky lupin. More sandstone. Got yellow paintbrush in there. Just the colors are really rewarding. I've got one minute. So, like I said, I, I knew I wouldn't get through all of these photos, but I think what we'll do is I'll just put it on, on uh, rotation, and um, hopefully then you guys can get... And, I mean, I, if you want to, I have a, I have a website where I've, I've put my photos on there. I've got the link at the end of the slideshow here. And um, you can go and see, because I've just pulled some of my favorite grassland photos, but like I take pictures of everything because everything inspires me, I think. So um, yeah, that went, that 30 minutes went really, really fast. And <laughs> but I hope, I hope you guys have a little better understanding of the work that the Nature Conservancy does and why it's important and, um, and why we need a balance between, um, I guess, the working landscape and humans and, and offering a space for wildlife as well. So thank you so much for having me.